Uh, let's just stay in this moment real quick. <clears throat> Father, it was just so good for us to just shout to the rooftops that you love us. How easy is it for us to forget that we are the beloved, that we are the children of God, and that just as you illustrated for us how a son could run off and do all types of things that disrespects and disregards a father, the father is anticipating the child to come home and desperately wants to be with them and be intimate with them. And God, we come in here today with all types of misinterpretations of who you are. We come in with all types of false gods that we've worshiped all week. And then we ask God that we could come into a raw place with you and you could get right to the very details of my heart you know exactly where I'm at today. And so, Father, let the Spirit of the living God fall fresh on this place. And as we begin to open it up a new series, God, we pray that the Bible in and of itself would not be a mystery to me, but it would be enticing and inviting and exciting, Lord. And so I pray that uh, the Word would dwell richly in our hearts. And Holy Spirit, in the mysterious way that you work, you still choose to use men. And this morning, I am that man. And so, God, we come with an expectation that you would speak through me. And Holy Spirit, you know where each person is at in here. And so, God, let there be an attentiveness to what you have to say. And I pray, God, that when we leave this place, we would walk away knowing that you had something to say to us. And so speak to our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, uh, today we are going to be opening up a series. Before we talk about that, I do want to make reference to the fact that we have uh, started a 90-day uh, tithe challenge. Uh, when you hear that word tithe, some of you may get afraid because you've seen it on TV somewhere where someone was trying to sell you some oil or something along those lines. Uh, what we want to do is we've said, and we've repeated over and over again, that with this series, we've wanted something for you, not from you. And so that's the heartbeat of that tithe challenge. We believe that when you're obedient to God in the area of finances, you will, as uh, Chris referenced, you will test him as he talks about in Malachi chapter three. So uh, if you were to sign up, you would go to the back. And when you sign up, you will get a devotional called uh, experiencing God. And it's a devotional that everyone in the church is going through right now. We pray you get a chance to go through it. And I'll reference that devotional in a little bit again in this, in this message. I uh, also want to remind you, November 8th after church, uh, we will be going um, and continuing the discussion from last week where we, uh, we talked about beats, rhymes, and life. We really talked about the Black Lives Matter issue. And we had a panel discussion. Everyone that put that together, I praise God for you. It was an amazing time. But what we said was we really need to create some action steps. So after church, we pray that uh, you would come to that time. That's November 8th, uh, right after church around 630. And we'll be able to talk and really start to figure out what can we do to have an impact right here in Brooklyn 
uh, to be able to affect the lives of not only young black men, but deal with the issue of race uh, in a more significant way. All right, well, let's jump into uh, a new series. Uh, I'm excited about it. You know, um, when you were growing up, I know when I was growing up, used to sit around the table eating with mom and dad. And while I was sitting there eating, the phone would ring. And when the phone would ring, now this is, and this is gonna show you my age, when the phone would ring, there was nothing that would answer the phone. In fact, my mom would say, listen, go, let it ring. Does anybody, did anybody grow up like that? Probably, some, few, this is where the age difference comes in. <laughs> my mom would say, go ahead, let the phone ring. They'll call back. <laughs> and then, you know, we had the advent of the answering machine. And so my mom, she was like the general of food at night. So we were sitting there, and the phone would ring, and she would say, listen, don't worry about it. The answering machine will get it. Don't worry about that. We're here together. And rarely would my mom or dad have to go and, like, pick up the answering machine to get it. So we would completely ignore who was ever trying to get in contact with us. Well, we live in a different day to day where when you get a text message, it is incredibly hard to ignore. Now, some of us actually ignore it. Praise God for you. But most of us, <laughs> if you do ignore it, you're pretending to ignore it because when you ignore it, your mind is imagining who it is. What is it about a text message that captures our imagination? Why, does, why, do, why, why, why is it that when I get a text, I'm enticed? I need to know who is texting me. I think part of the reason why texts are, are just kind of draw you in is because you know it's generally it's personal. I mean, I know spam is getting in its way and all that, but for the most part, Texts are very personal, and, and it's from someone who I know and someone who knows me. And so because of that, I, I feel a sense of urgency, and I feel like whatever they're saying is going to be relevant to my life. So I just feel like, oh, I need to check, out, check this out. And the beauty of it is that it's not like a phone conversation, because there's very few people in here that would rather talk on the phone than text. So... The funny thing about it is like, when you get a text message, you have the convenience of being able to read it whenever you want. You don't have to, you know, the, you know there's people who like, you only want some information, but then they start talking, so what you doing? I was like, I'm, I, I got stuff going on in my life. I don't, don't wanna talk about what I'm doing. I want to do, I wanna just know the information you're giving me. The convenience of a text is that it's like information-based, and we can just kind of walk into the information when we want to. Most of us grew up around a text message that if we had read that message, it would have completely altered some of the decisions that we made. We wouldn't have some of the regrets we have today if we had read that text message that we grew up around. There is a text message that actually speaks into the area of finances and careers and relationships that is very relevant to who we are and it's personal and it's from someone who knows me and someone who I want to get to know. But what's crazy about this text is that unlike, 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 like, 
with the phone, where I don't like to talk. Most people have a deep relationship with God of praying and talking, but when it comes to reading, they say, I don't like to read. But when they get a text message, they love to read. They're like, oh gosh, let me make sure who this is. And maybe the issue isn't reading, maybe it's relationship. Maybe the issue isn't about consuming information, maybe it's about intimacy. And so the text message that I'm speaking of is is God's holy word, where the Bible, when when we we think about it, it actually gives us an interpretation of life, of what God thinks in a number of different perspectives on life, on areas that I am in right now. And so there's, there's there's a chance that God can actually speak into your very world where you're at today. And the Bible has relevancy. And so I think that most of us, if we could, we would want to see as God sees. Is that true? And if you could see what God sees, you would want to do what he says. But in order to do what he says, we have to read what he wrote. Amen? So why don't we say that together? Listen, just repeat after me. God, I want to see as you see. I want to do as you say. So I want to read what you wrote. Let's try it again. God, I want to see as you see. I want to do as you say. So I want to read what you wrote. Well, you can't see as he sees until you read what he has written to us. And without knowing God's perspective, that means I'm leaning on my own interpretation of life. I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to my finite perspective. And there's a good chance that I will get it wrong. And some of you in here already got it wrong. (laughs) And something that the Bible has really showed me from from reading my Bible, you know, up until I was 21 years old, I never really read it. It was, I had that same Bible my mama gave. My mama bought me a Bible every Christmas. It was like, I was, I had a library of Bibles, all versions, Chinese. Anyway, it was all types of Bibles. (laughs) in my room, every version, and I never read it. And then I started reading it, and now I'm 38 years old, and I've read it, and now here's something I've realized. I see people making decisions, and I've come to the conclusion I'm not above that. I'm really no different than them. The only advantage is that I live by someone else's perspective. I read what he wrote, so I do as he says, and I see as he sees. They don't see as he sees. That's the the only difference between me and him. I'm extremely flawed. I'm not above all of that. And so what we've done to make this applicable to you, some people, when they start reading the Bible, they they make a very clear decision to try to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you've done that, I'll pray for you. That's going to be a struggle because the Bible is not written in such a way, even though the first book is a beginning and the last book is an ending, it's not intended to be read that way because it has different sections. There, and some sections are intended to be read all the way through and others are not. And so what we've done for you is we've given you a devotional. We have some devotionals in the back that we want you to be able to get your Bible consumption beginning. We want you to begin to consume the Word of God on a regular basis. And that's how really God's word started opening up to me as I just started reading a devotional and it started getting into my life and started changing my life. So 
uh, those uh, devotionals are in the back. And I pray that if you do the devotional, if you take a devotional, that you would also consider getting connected to one of our city groups is where we do community together. And we're going to be going through that devotional together called Experiencing God. So I want you to do that. I want you to be able to get into the word of God. And, and, and this series, I am unashamed about my agenda. I want you to start reading the Bible. Okay. I want you to start reading God's word. I want you to do the devotion. I want you to start consuming the word because this is the reality. This day, Sunday, for many of us, is the only time we're actually consuming the Word of God. And, and I don't say that to convict you. I know, like, some of you hear, hear that and you're like, oh, my God. Like, that's, that's, like, very legalistic and it's heavy. And some of you came from churches where they kind of feared you into reading the Word. I'm not trying to scare you. I truly want you to experience something. You ever... Um, Eddie and I went to see a, a movie called Gone Girl. You ever see that movie, Gone Girl? We went and saw the movie. <laughs> or if you've, uh, you saw Hunger Games or something like that. You ever go see a movie and you were like, you, you're, like you're, you're raving about it. You're like, man, that was so amazing. It was so awesome. It was so life-changing. My perspective is awesome. And then someone you meet goes, it was all right, but you read the book? It's like, and you go, and you go, you go, nah, I didn't read the book. They're like, see, if you read the book, it'll just be so awesome because the book is so much better than the movie. I mean, because you get to see it the way you want to see it, and it just kind of goes through your mind and, oh, okay, go to the movie, but the book is so much better than the movie. And up here... I try, I try to, you know, I try to be, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to like get this into you and I'm popping and locking and entertaining, <laughs> doing all these things so that you like the Bible and I try to turn it into a story and I hope you like the sermon, but the book yeah. is so much better. It's so, it's so much better and I mean that seriously, it's so much better because I am actually talking to you as God spoke to me. What happens when he starts speaking to you? What happens when you open up the word and you, you're reading it and seeing it and your intimacy with God is starting to explode? I'm just giving to you what God has said to me, but I want him to speak to you. And I believe God has something to say to you. And so I, I mean that wholeheartedly, this, that book so much better than anything I could put together for 30 minutes. And so um, I said this before, just to reiterate, I, I want you just to have more than a prayer life with God. Many people do. I want you to have a devotional life with God. God communicated in the, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, he communicated in such a way where uh, you see Genesis and Exodus and the, the those stories are pretty cool, but then you get into like books around law and Leviticus and Deuteronomy, and it's just, it, it's, it's not, some of the books are just not exciting. They're kind of boring, to be honest with you. And this guy, David, a king, actually would read, that's all he had were those first few books. And he would read those books, and it was very, the, the style of worship was very formal and traditional. And what's crazy is that he would read those books, and he will talk about those very some of those very boring elements of those books, and he would talk as if, man, this, this book is, this law, it's so enticing to me. It's drawing me in. 
And so that's what I want for you. If you have a Bible with you, if you have your phone with you, uh, and you have the app, please go to Psalm chapter 119. Psalm 119. The 119th Psalm. And we're going to start, start in the 97th verse. Uh, if you hear it, I, as you can hear, I am a little sick, but my charismatics are like, don't, don't speak that into your life. So I'm, 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 I'm currently experiencing my healing up here, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but pray for me as I experience that. All right. So uh, Psalm 119, verse 97, listen to how he starts it off. Oh, how I love your law, your law, Leviticus. Come on, boring books. How did he fall in love with such a boring book? I love your law. It's so enticing. It's so inviting. I love this message from you. And this is what he says. I meditate it. I meditate on it all day long. You know, the word meditate in the Bible, it, it has this imagery of drawing out of something. You know, when, when a cow gets some grass, it chews on it. If you ever see a cow, they, they slowly gnaw on it. What they're doing is they're getting all the nutrients out of the grass, like a cow chewing on that cud. It just, you kind of suck all of it out. When, it's, when it talks about the law and how he meditates on it, he says he'll take words and ideas and he'll deepen his thoughts. It's like he's chewing on it, chewing on it, chewing on it all day long. And so he's saying, I actually read and I'm thinking about it throughout my day. Have you ever taken a second to think about how the things you're meditating are leading to your daily actions? I mean, have you just considered that, you know, we talked about finances last week. Have you ever considered having like a mental budget of the things, like an item, have you ever itemize the things you're thinking about? And if you were to itemize that, maybe you would see why some of the things you do, you do. And he's saying, I've come to some conclusions. I, I, I enjoy this because part of it is I'm just not reading it and walking away. I'm engaging it in such a way where I take certain words and I'm leaning on it and thinking about it and wrestling with it. I chew on your word. And I get everything out of it when I chew on it. And so he says, I meditate on it all day long. So he says there, something has happened. Because I've been chewing on this thing, because I've been taking it in, because of that, something has happened. In verse 98, your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Now, this is David who has real life enemies. This is not like, uh, you know, people who say, you know, I've got a lot of enemies in my life. I mean, David is saying, I've got all these enemies trying to take my life. And he says, I've become, look at the key word, I'm wiser than them. I'm wiser. So there are people who are trying to oppose me and come against me, and I have deeper insights than they do, so I'm not intimidated by them. I'm not intimidated by the opposition that comes against me. As many of you know, I used to bounce in the club. <laughs> And um, it, was, it was always interesting as I would sit back and, 
um, it could be two girls or two guys and they would start arguing, you know, and you'd see this kind of like, you know, what you say, you shouldn't have said that. And they, you know, they start bumping chests and they start fighting or whatever, you know. But it's, it was always kind of the same thing. Always one yells, another yells, and it was back and forth. Every now and then you'd meet this, there'd be this person who might have been smaller and someone's yelling at them and they are completely calm. And there was this one guy I'll never forget. Big dude came at him, rah, 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 yelling at him. The little guy said something I'll never forget. He said, there is no way you'll ever be able to intimidate me. And I remember the dude didn't know what to do. He was shocked because he was so big. And I remember, I remember like, I thought to myself, he must know something. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Taekwondo something. He must know something. Because he, he didn't say that with any fear in his voice. He was telling him, I literally, everything you're doing right here, nothing's going to happen because I know something you don't know. And, and this, what he's saying is, listen, I don't know. I don't want to get, do you have enemies? I don't know. But this is what I know. I know we have an enemy. I know that every Christian has an enemy. I know that we live in a world where we have things oppose the things of God. But we can live a life unintimidated. Imagine if you lived a life right now where you were unintimidated. Unintimidated. Unintimidated by things that could happen. Unintimidated by the future. Not anxious about things happening, but you know something. And here's the reality. It's not that you just know something, you know someone. You know who's in control. Why would you be afraid? Why would you be intimidated? No, we, we know someone. We know something. We know that God is in control and we are strengthened by his control of the earth. And so your word is ever with me. He says, verse 99, he says, I have more insight than all my teachers. And so he's, he's saying, I don't have to be dependent on <coughs> any person in particular, but I gain insights into your word. And so I'm not just looking for people who have lived longer than me, because in verse 100, he says the same idea. I have more understanding than the elders. So there are people who teach life, and there are people who are older, they're elders, and I have more insights than all of them. Here is a, a potential lie you've always believed, that experience is life's greatest teacher. Well, we know that's not true, because we all have like an uncle who experienced all of life. You know what I'm talking about? That one uncle that just, they got stories after stories, all the mistakes they made. They got a lot of experience, but no wisdom. Age is not an indication of wisdom. And knowledge certainly is not. Because I know many educated fools. No, it's not age. It's not knowledge. He says, listen, look what he says. I have more insight than all my teachers. I have more understanding of the elders. And this is the key. This is the key. For I obey your precepts. It's not education. It's not living longer. It's being obedient to the Alpha and Omega. 
the Bible says that God is not just the beginning and just that he, it doesn't say he's at the beginning and at the end. It says he is the beginning and he is the end. So you don't have to just lean on people who have foresight or people who have hindsight. God is sight. He sees everything. And so because he is sight, because he sees all things, I don't actually have to be dependent. Listen, I'm not saying don't live a life of submission to people. I just don't have to be dependent on people. But this is key. This is key. This is key. You will never unlock the depth of wisdom until you live a life of obedience. Obedience is what he says. I, I obey your precepts. I, I try to do this. I, I read it and some of it I didn't even understand. I mean, as a parent, I, I mean, as a child, I hated, hated, hated it when my parents said, just, just, just do what I'm telling you to do. I can't explain it right now. Just, just listen to me. You'll get it later. I go back to my room. You know, when I become a parent, I'm going to explain things to my kids. I'm going to break things down. Because, you know, my parents, they just, they think they think I'm do what you did. And I go into my room, and I, be, I became the best parent. I was the best parent at 15. I was an amazing parent, right, in my mind. But as I got older, I really realized there are times as a parent, I just got to tell you this. And you honestly, as I explain to you, you won't even understand it. You just got to obey. <laughs> That's why when I tell people about relationships, just listen, trust is where I know you're lonely. I know. But just be obedient because I deal with marriages too and divorces. Just be obedient now. You see, I, I've got a little bit of, 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 of hindsight. But when you're alone in your room and you just get into that word, he'll speak to where you are. He'll speak exactly to where you are. And you may not understand it at the time, but you've got to trust him. I obey your precepts. That's how I understand. And so in light of that, see, so he's seen the benefits of obedience. This has really been working out for me. I, I started doing the things you said. So this is what I did. Verse 101, I have kept my feet from every evil or destructive path so I might obey your word. Oh, now I get it. I'm going to continue a lifestyle of obedience. I want a lifestyle of continually getting into your word, asking God, oh, I want to see as you see. I want to do as you say. So I'm reading your word. I want to do that as a lifestyle and I want to change. So much of our, our, our devotional life can be based off a simple prayer of saying, God, change me. I'm so inconsistent. I'm going to open up this book, and it feels weird because it's a book and you're a person, but would you change me? Change me, speak to me. Give me something I can walk away with. Give me something I can walk away and meditate on. I want to think about you. I don't want to think about all this stuff going on with my life. I don't want to be weighed down with the same thing. I just want to think about you. Captivate my mind. Captivate my heart. Change me. Oh, so much. So, so, so he says, I, I've kept my feet from that. Now listen, just real quick. So many of us have, have, have been taught the Bible in kind of a moralistic framework. You better read the Bible. Better not do with the Bible. You better, you better, you, because the Bible's good for you. And so you do what the Bible says because it's good for you. 
But you know what's awesome? Look, look what he says. Look at this. Verse 103. How sweet are your words to my taste. Sweeter than honey to my mouth. That's a great analogy. You know why? You know why it's such a good analogy? I've been trying to lose weight. And I've done that. You know what I've consumed? The things that taste the best aren't good for me. I really don't. No one has vegetable cravings. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> this just doesn't happen. I said, oh, I need some broccoli. No. Nobody does that. <laughs> the things that taste the sweetest to us generally are bad for us. The things that I just, I have this craving for, if I do too much of it, it'll destroy me. But he has already said, this is good for me, but tastes good to me too. That means that I can have a craving for your word. I can, I can enjoy it. And he's talking about the way he is giving an analogy to the way that if you eat your favorite ice cream, and it's so savory and it's just so good to you that you just got, kind of get this energy from it. He's saying the word can be savory and sweet to you and good to you because you see how it is benefiting your life. And you are also intimately engaging a person who loves you. But he had gotten to the place where if we jump back up to 102, I know I skipped it, 102. He says, I have not departed from your laws for, listen, you yourself have taught me. I'm reading a Bible, a book, but I feel like the God of heaven and earth is actually teaching me as I read. I feel like you're guiding me. That as I read about Moses, I mean, this is what David, it's all David had. He didn't have Jesus to read about. He didn't have Paul's life to compare to. He didn't have all these other people from the New Testament. All he had was Moses and Adam, and he would look about Cain and Abel, and as he would read about their lives, he would notice, he'd like, you know, there's something about Moses' life that's speaking into my life. Good God, it's like you're teaching me. You taught me. You are guiding me. You are speaking to me, and it's so good. Oh, it just feels so good. There's a warmth I feel when I read and know you're speaking to me. And so in verse 104, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. And this is his conclusion in verse 105, a verse that many of you may have heard already before. In light of all that, this is what I've concluded. It's oh, so good. It tastes so great. It's so savory. And I've been obedient. But I've come to realize that the, the world is confusing and the world is filled with anxiety and the world leaves you misguided. You know, it's almost like the world is just dark and I don't know where to go. But this is what I've realized. Verse 105, your word is like a lamp to my feet, a light for my path. Notice the personal nature that he's saying. He's not saying, listen, if you read the Bible, it's going to be good for someone else. He's saying, I have personally experienced how I did not know what to do. I did not know what to say. And the word of God opened up for me a pathway of life. And you have been a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. And so this imagery of being guided... Right now, 
you were to take like a white piece of chalk and draw it around yourself, wherever you're at, emotionally, spiritually, financially, God can bring light right where you are. Wherever your path is, it doesn't matter because of the illustrations we have in the Bible. It doesn't matter if you're running as far from God as you possibly can. If you want to engage the God of heaven and earth personally, he can draw light to wherever you are right in your pathway. And it will be a guide to you. I wonder if you need a guide. I wonder if right now you need someone to just walk before you as you walk in this dark life. Because the true light that he's speaking of is Jesus. It's a person actually guiding you. It's not like a flashlight of your phone. It's a person holding your hand, speaking, leaning, prodding on you, guiding your life. And he speaks to the whole circumference of life. And I've realized when I am not in my word, I begin to magnify the weaknesses of others and overlook my own. You better not, don't run into me on that day. It's gonna, complex is going to be tough. But not only do I highlight the weaknesses of others, I shine a light on my own weaknesses. And I meditate on my weaknesses all day long. And what I end up living in is a performance matrix. I'm actually lonely and depressed, but I walk around impressive and smiling. I walk around as if I'm doing better than I really am. And I start living a life of performance, not only for others, but for God. And I just start getting into this world where God's not doing enough. And I start saying, God, you owe me. I may not put in those words, but you owe me. And look what they have. You owe me. And look what she has. And I don't have enough. And look what they have. And then I start reading my word. And God starts speaking to me. And I start looking and reading. And I start saying, you love me. And they don't know him yet. You love me so much. And you put up with me. Oh, your forgiveness is real. And you've touched my life. And you speak to me. And your grace and your mercy are available for me and to me. Oh, you love me. Oh, it's just right here. There's no condemnation for me. As I meditate on me, I think you don't want me. And then when I look at what you say, you still want me. You still want me. I don't even want myself. You want me? You'll take me back? I don't have to pretend. I don't have to hide. Oh, you want me still. Everybody else doesn't treat me that way. You, you still want me. 
And so his word becomes real. The key to having God speak to you in his word is not that devotional. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Because Jesus takes on all those things that I have done throughout this week and in my mind and in my heart. And he says, I'll take the penalty on their behalf. And and that makes me and our relationship with God, it makes it enticing and exciting. The Holy Spirit does all his work. And so my challenge to you today is not just that devotional, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It's engaging Jesus. It's trusting Jesus. It's trusting Jesus. And you can choose not. Much of our lives, when we get out of that path of intimacy, so much of our time, we are wanting to get God something, God to do something. What if God wants to say something to you? What if your relationship wasn't God do this, God do that, God do this? What if God wants to say something to you? What if God wants to say something? What if God has already said something? And so we're going to sing. And as we sing and, you, and we sing about how he loves us, I want that to be so real to you. I want you to be more informed about how much the God of heaven and earth loves you. And when you come here to worship and you sing that song, all oh, the, the word of God will be that anchor and you will sing out of your heart. And I pray you have that. I pray you know how much God loves you. Pray with me. Holy Spirit, you're leaning in on people right now. Jesus, there are people here today who need to trust you. And there are others who need to trust you more. God of heaven and earth, thank you that you have made yourself available to me through this text message. Thank you that you speak to people. Jesus, there are people who walked in here today feeling orphaned, fatherlessness. That's not just our temporal condition, that's a spiritual condition. Be it the, the God of heaven and earth says, come. He says, come, experience my son, experience his forgiveness. So Holy Spirit, as we sing, I pray you would open up the hearts of our people and let them not just sing about a love they don't experience. Let them enjoy you, let us enjoy you. And let us enjoy you throughout the week as we read more about the God who loves us, in Jesus' name.